Welcome to AMA Fantasy Football, the only fantasy podcast dedicated solely to you, the fans. Send in your questions on Twitter at AMA Fantasy, and we guarantee your questions will be answered. Now, here are your hosts, Eli Berkovitz and Alicia Tursky. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of AMA Fantasy Football. I am Eli Berkovitz here with Alicia Tursky once again, our new co-host on AMA. This is now his second show, not including our Thanksgiving live stream. I hope you all got a chance to watch that, and I hope it helped you on Thanksgiving for a couple of actually pretty wild games that maybe we didn't expect uh, going into Thursday morning. But we do have some big NFL news that regarded yesterday's games and looks like it's going to head into this weekend. And that is, of course, the Ravens-Steelers game being in serious jeopardy of not happening. So, excuse me, as of right now, we're going to go under the assumption that game is not happening, considering the Ravens have been told they can't enter their facilities until Monday. We just don't see any chance this game happens. So for now... We're going to go on to the assumption the Ravens-Steelers game does not happen. If that changes, just know that almost certainly Lamar Jackson will not be playing as he tested positive. So get Lamar out of your lineups, even if that game somehow does happen. But now that that's out of the way, uh, we do have some injury news also to discuss before we get to the games. So real quick, I'm just going to run through some of the bigger name injuries just for all of you out there to keep in mind going into the weekend. So you got Christian McCaffrey. He's listed as questionable, but Matt Rule is pessimistic that he's going to play. Uh, Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas are both considered limited on Thursday. I expect them to play. They usually are limited and then end up playing. Alicia, do you disagree on either of those two? No, I don't. Um, I wouldn't expect McCaffrey to play. Again, whenever you see pessimistic, yeah. It's it's generally they generally they're not active so yeah I'm not counting on it yeah and then and then another big injury is Chris Carson who Pete Carroll is forever positive about that he's going to play but he was still limited in practice as of Thursday so Chris Carson is definitely someone to keep an eye on AJ Brown wide receiver for the Titans didn't practice at all on Thursday. We're going to get more in-depth on all these injuries and how you should react to them once we get to the game breakdowns, but I'm just giving you the injuries out first, just in case you can't make it that long. Uh, It looks like Mitchell Trubisky is going to be starting for the Bears. I doubt that makes much of a difference for their offense. They weren't very good with him or without him. Giovanni Bernard had a concussion, missed practice Wednesday, but he was back at practice on Thursday and Friday. Looks like he should be good to go for Sunday. And then... Uh, DJ Chark and Chris Conley were both already ruled out for the Jaguars, so I doubt you have Chris Conley, but if DJ Chark's in your lineup, get him out of your lineup. Adam Thielen is still on the COVID list. That's something to keep in mind. He never tested positive, so there is a chance he plays, so keep a close eye on Adam Thielen. And then finally, I will say Hayden Hurst and Todd Gurley both did not practice on Thursday, So those are people at tight end and running back. You're going to have to think about potential replacements. But again, we're going to get to more in-depth breakdown of these injuries once we get to the game. So with Alicia now joining the show on AMA, we're going to be answering fan questions. But the format of the show is going to be a little bit different from here on out. Every week, we're going to break down game by game all of the fantasy relevant players telling you whether to sit them, start them. They're going to boom. They're going to bust. 
any fantasy relevant player that you might think about for your league, for your DFS, whatever you're doing, we're going to cover it. So make sure to stick around and let's just get to our first game, Alicia. We already had two go down on Thursday, some pretty exciting games, but why don't you kick us off with the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Atlanta Falcons game and how you see that going with with all of the most important fantasy players in that game. Actually, before we get to that game, um, for those of you who can't remember all of the injuries, I just wanted to summarize it in a different way. If you drafted a player in the first, second, or third round of your draft, there's approximately a 75% chance that they're out this week. Exactly. So, yeah, that's just a better way to summarize it. Yeah, that was probably quicker than me running through it all. <laughs> but, yeah, good point. Yeah, but I think that. your way was more helpful, but my way is more, oh, what Efficient. the hell am I supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's get to the Raiders. Yeah. So we've got Derek Carr, who has just a fantastic matchup this week. He's going, against, he's going up against Atlanta Falcons. They've allowed the most fantasy points to quarterbacks. They're the worst pass defense according to number five metrics. And again, they do have the fifth best run defense. So this is a pass funnel defense, which helps. They've allowed the seventh most quarterback opportunities. In other words, attempts and uh, rush attempts and pass attempts. And Carr has had 20 or more fantasy points in five of his 10 games this season. Yeah. So I'd have him as a low-end to mid-level QB1, but I like him a lot. Uh, his running back, Jacobs, I'm not such a huge fan of this week. I'd ha- I, I'm fading him. Atlanta's allowed the second-fewest fantasy points to running backs on the ground. He, in the two games, he's, he's faced the, the two teams that are first and third in that category, meaning first and third fewest fantasy points allowed in that category. He's finished as the RB23 and RB43. Wow. That's not exactly great. <laughs> yeah. I'm fading him. He's more of a – he's close in the high-end RB2 range, maybe even mid, mid-level mid RB2 range. Nelson Aguilar, I'm streaming him. Atlanta's allowed double-digit fantasy points. And when I say – when I'm talking about fantasy points here, I'm talking about half PPR. That's yeah. the format I'm going with. AMA will um, always be – Half P. When you talk about points, just anyone listening, AMA is always going off half PPR. Continue. Yeah, and it's the best way because you can glean the context from that. Yeah. You can. To both. It's it's the it's the happiest of both worlds. So back to Aguilar. Atlanta's allowed double digit fantasy points to 17 receivers this season. They've allowed 13 or more to 12 receivers, and Aguilar's had 12.4 or more fantasy points in five of his last seven games. Again, he does have a low floor. In two of those other games, he's had three or fewer. So the floor is low, but in this game, he's got he's got significant upside, especially after last game, which he had a, I believe it was a, a, a target share of 25%. So he's got he's got a nice ceiling for this one. Darren Waller, he's probably the tight end two behind Kelsey this week. And he might even challenge Kelsey for the tight end one spot. Atlanta's allowed the most fantasy points to tight ends. It's literally as good of a spot as it gets. So that covers the Raiders. Yeah. Anything uh, Yeah, real quick, I'll say, I mean, just to kind of echo you with, with Aguilar. Aguilar is very interesting because he's just kind of that deep play guy. And you don't think a lot of the deep ball when it comes to Derek Carr, but every time he does throw a deep ball, it seems to land in Aguilar's hands. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta, like you said, is awful against receivers. So if you have injuries or you are in a deeper league, 
I definitely don't mind streaming Aguilar and looking for that big game. And then, yeah, obviously you're starting Darren Waller. He, yeah, he should absolutely rip up this Falcons defense. But uh, how about the Falcons offense, Alicia? So, I, w- I did like Atlanta's offense heading into the week. And then the injury report the injury report started coming out. You've got Gurley, like you said. Julio's on the injury report. Ridley's limited. They're in, I mean, all of the top skill position players there are banged up in some way or another. This is this is a it would have been a very good matchup for Matt Ryan. They've allowed the eighth most fantasy points to quarterbacks, the fourth most opportunities. They've allowed twenty-two point five or more in five of their last seven games. Mm. However, with Julio Jones either out or limited in a game, he's averaged I think it was nine fantasy points a game, according to Matthew Berry, which is just terrible and. That, that that would be a big deal if Julio's out. Again, Julio is the type of guy who can play even if he doesn't practice. Mm-hmm. But that's something to, to keep in mind. So, as far as their run defense, they're the worst. They have the Raiders, according to our metrics, are the worst run defense in the league. They've allowed the fourth most fantasy points. They've allowed um, multiple touchdowns to four running backs. Six of the seven running backs that have had at least 15 touches have scored 12.7 or more fantasy points. Todd Gurley, again, like you said, probably closer to doubtful after those, yeah. after the missed practices and only 30% of, 37% of snaps last week. Brian Hill, he's interesting. I mean, he could, he could wind up with 15, 20 touches this week. I'd have him as a lower-end RB2, but a decent streaming option. Calvin Ridley, again, you're plugging him in. You're plugging him in as a top ten receiver, no matter what. Yeah. We don't even have to talk about him at this point. Russell Gage is probably an option in deep PPR leagues as as a flex option, possibly. I mean, he hasn't hit double digit half PPR points since week two, but the targets could be there. He did have, I believe, twelve last week. Hayden Hurst, he didn't practice. Probably won't play, even if he does play. The Raiders have been pretty tough to any tight end not named Travis Kelsey. I wouldn't go anywhere near that. Yeah, so that's, <clears throat> yeah, Hurst. Uh, yeah, Hurst. Yeah, Hurst missed practice, and last week he didn't catch a single ball. He was on my roster. I was extremely frustrated, and he's definitely going to be on my bench this week, whether he plays or not. And I would consider you do the same because, like Alicia said. Other than Travis Kelsey, no other tight end has had a lot of success against the Raiders. And just to add on to Hayden Hurst getting me zero last week, I played Travis Kelsey last week, and his last second touchdown to beat the Raiders beat me in fantasy and maybe ended my season. So I am just really very cheerful about all of that. But that covers the... I think Kelsey's demoralized plenty of people this season. Yeah, Kelsey's ruined many people's seasons, so I'm definitely not alone, but... I had to point it out because it hurt. But that covers the Vegas versus Atlanta game. Definitely some interesting people there, but also some uh, interesting injuries you got to keep an eye on, namely Julio and Todd Gurley are the two to really keep an eye on. And now let's move on to another game that I think should be pretty high scoring, Chargers at Buffalo. Uh, Why don't you kick us off with the Chargers offense? 
Sure, and I mean, you talked about high scoring. This game has a 52.5 point total. It's the two teams combined have the fourth fastest pace of on the slate of the 16 games, and this is their neutral situation slate. The the neutral situation pace. I'm sorry. Um, so meaning that even when they don't have to throw or they don't have to move quickly, they're moving quickly. So this game should should see a lot of points, a lot of plays. So we could be in for a lot of fantasy points. And I said the word a lot, but, you know, I'm stressing it. Yeah. So let's get to the Chargers. Justin Herbert, we don't really have to talk about him. He's a top five option. The Bills haven't been good against quarterbacks. They've allowed 20 – 20 or more points to seven of the eight non-Jets quarterbacks that they faced. And I don't even know if you could call the Jets. The team? Are they, are they called quarterbacks? Sure. I don't think so. They, they play quarterback, I guess. Technically. Um, yeah, technically, I guess. Okay, the running back situation is a bit messy. Callum Balaj is banged up. Don't know if he's going to play. Austin Eckler might play. If he does, he's probably a lower-end RB2 because he's definitely going to be on a pitch count. Buffalo's allowed the fourth fewest minus points to running backs. This is not really a situation i touch either way. They have Pope there, too. It's it's not really. Again, Bellage, if Bellage was fully healthy, I'd consider him probably as a high-end RB3. But with him being hurt, he, does, he hasn't. He hasn't done enough in his career to, to earn my trust. Yeah. Keenan Allen, this is a team that's allowed a lot of points to the slot. They allowed 170 yards and a touchdown to Cup, 115 yards and a touchdown to Crowder. This, mm-hmm. the, He's top five receiver. Mike Williams, I guess I'd have him as a wide receiver for. I am concerned about the shadow matchup with Tredavious White, who's one of the best corners in the league. That said, Williams has had seven or more targets in five games this season, and nine of the 12 receivers that have reached seven targets have scored at least eight fantasy points, which should keep him in the wide receiver four territory. He probably doesn't have the same upside that he might have in a different game, but he's still got some. Mm-hmm. Hunter Henry, I love him this week. He's he's in my top three. The, the Bills have allowed the second most fantasy points to tight ends. The six tight ends that have had at least six targets have averaged 15.2 half PPR points and if you know the tight end landscape this season you know that that is a ton of points yeah a huge amount and and on that note Henry has seen six or more targets in eight of the ten games this season so that definitely yeah he's he's in my top three for sure yeah so to sum up the Chargers obviously you're starting Herbert you're starting Keenan you're starting Henry and then you got to keep an eye on the running back situation over the weekend. But regardless, like Alicia said, it could get messy. And you might, if if you could, you might be best avoiding it overall. And then moving on to the Bills offense, I mean, I can probably kick us off here with Josh Allen and just say start him. <laughs> yes? Yeah. Yeah. That's safe. <laughs> Although, there is a catch. Okay. He has struggled a bit. It, well, not even a bit. He has struggled considerably this season with John Brown out. Interesting. And John Brown is out. He is, yes. So, the matchup is good. The Chargers have allowed the seventh most fantasy points to quarterbacks. They do have a decent pass rush. Chris Harris is coming back. So, uh, I'm a little, a little, you know, he's going to be the chalk, especially in DFS. 
I'm a little hesitant. I might, I might fade him a bit in DFS. But I'm saying in, in DFS, I probably I might even drop him out of my top three in my rankings. Maybe have him top, still have him top five. But yeah, I mean, in redraft leagues, you're starting Josh Allen unless you have an absurd backup. Yeah, I mean, the guy I'm playing against in my home league benched Deshaun Watson for Josh oh, Allen. Yeah, yeah. That could end <laughs> up backfiring. I mean, Watson had 34 points. Uh, I mean, I mean, again, he played Detroit, and they they seem to not give a you know what. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I don't. Yeah, <laughs> defensive genius, my ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So no, what about what about the running, running backs? Situation. What about yeah the running back situation in this game is interesting. So how do you see it being split between Moss and Singletary? Interesting is one way to put it. Messy is another way. Uh, it <laughs> it makes me. It's kind of one of those situations that makes me cringe because you got it's it's almost literally a fifty fifty split. Moss has been between fifty and fifty five snaps fifty or fifty five percent of the snaps the last three games Singletary has been like 45 to 49 percent so it's almost an even split Moss is the goal line back I have him as an RB a mid-level RB3 because of that I want no part of Devin Singletary he hasn't hit double digit fantasy points in any of his last six games and he hasn't hit 50 percent of the snaps in any of his last three I'm just not interested in that situation and their wide receivers Diggs yeah, you're starting him with John Brown out. I mean, he's been probably the most consistent receiver this year outside of Devontae Adams. He's at 12.2 fantasy points in nine of his 10 games. I actually like Cole Beasley a lot this week. Yes. Yeah. In PPR leagues, he's a wide receiver three. Uh, he's He had 12 targets in his last game when John Brown that John Brown missed. He's had 9.5 or more fantasy points in six of his 10 games. The Chargers are not fantastic against the slot, but Chris Harris returning and playing at a high level could could put a dent in that. That's yeah. one thing to keep an eye on. Yeah, I like, I mean, obviously you're starting digs, and Beasley's someone who, for sure in full PPR leagues, is very interesting because he just catches balls and he gets a ton of targets. But yeah, if you're playing in standard or even half PPR with Chris Harris coming back... He's definitely someone that you could get away from if you have a better option. But full PPR, I would I would probably actively look to get Beasley in your lineup just because the floor is so good with someone like Cole Beasley, especially with John Brown out. So that covers the Chargers and the Bills. Again, we expect a pretty high-scoring game. And the one real injuries situation to keep an eye on is... Once again, Austin Eckler, see if he comes back and what that does to the Chargers' backfield. And now let's move on to the Giants versus the Bengals, a game that on paper seems pretty boring, but fantasy-wise might have some uh, interesting people in there. So what do you think about the Giants' offense? Well, first of all, we're going from a game that has uh, 51.5 projected total to 43. (laughs) Yeah, there's a big, big jump. I think 43 is a bit generous for this one. I mean, Cincinnati with no Joe, Joe Burrow, the Giants, Daniel Jones, and what, he probably averages three fumbles a game. <laughs> it, it, and he's been playing better of late, but it, it's still uh, if if you're betting this game, I'm I'm betting the under. So let's get to Daniel Jones. I 
and I can't believe I'm saying this, I do think Daniel Jones is a somewhat decent streamer this week. Cincinnati has a sixth worst, the sixth worst pass defense. That was a one fister. <laughs> uh, they've allowed the tenth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. They've allowed an average of 23.5 fantasy points to the last seven quarterbacks they face, not named Alex Smith. And we know Alex Smith doesn't throw more than a yard down the field, so that kind of makes sense. And Daniel Jones has had 18.2 or more, or more fantasy points in three of his last four. Mm-hmm. So there is some semblance of hope there. Now let's get to a guy I really like, and that's Wayne Gallman. He's been very good for fantasy purposes and even even real football purposes. He's been a pretty good back. In the last four games, he's averaging 16 opportunities, meaning targets and carries, third and 13.7 half PPR points. That's mid-level RB2 range right there. Yeah. He's had he's had the third most carries inside the 10 over the last four games. I believe only Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry have more, and that's some pretty elite <laughs> company. Uh, the Bengals have allowed 12 or more fantasy points to a running back in eight of their 10 games this season. They've allowed 16.9 five times, 16.9 or more five times. So this is a very good matchup. For those of you who picked him up a couple weeks ago, plug him in, forget about it. He should get you a decent amount of points. The receivers, Sterling Shepard's a guy I'm pretty confident in, in half PPR or full PPR formats. He's averaging 7.6 targets per game. Again, he came back from an injury. He came right back to four straight tough matchups against teams that are that were all in the top 12 of fewest fantasy points allowed to receivers. Now he gets four matchups against teams that are in the bottom 12. They're allowing a lot of fantasy points to receivers. He's had 11.4 or more fantasy points in seven of his last 16, which is okay. But, again, the matchups are getting easy now. Cincinnati has allowed... 10 or more fantasy points to 15 receivers this year. Shepard probably has a wide receiver four, and full PPR, you could probably bump him up to low-end wide receiver three territory. Darius Slayton, I probably, I don't think I want any part of him. He's had four or less targets in three of the last five games. It's directly correlated with Sterling Shepard returning. We don't know if Golden Tate is going to play or they're going to suspend him. The Giants probably don't know either. Um, <laughs> But still, Slayton's had three or fewer receptions six times this season. I'm not touching that. Yeah. And finally, tight end. Evan Ingram, I'm streaming. He's a top ten option. He's not efficient. We all know that. But he's had seven or more targets six times. He's had nine or more fantasy points four times. At the tight end position, that is, that's very good. It's a total crapshoot. So, you know, you, you yeah. get what you can take. Exactly. Or, yeah. no, Evan Ingram. You take what you can get. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Evan Ingram. Yeah. He's been getting the targets to make him worthy of starting at tight end, especially considering how decimated the tight end landscape is right now. And then looking at the Bengals, I mean, I don't even know how much there is to talk about here. Obviously, you're you're not starting Brandon Allen. I don't even think we're gonna have to talk about that. I think my only question for you is Gio Bernard. I mentioned looks like he's going to play. Joe Mixon is still on IR. Do you trust Gio in your lineup this week against the Giants? Um, 
I know I say this a, a, a lot, but trust is a strong word. I'm willing to plug him in as a mid to low level RB two, just because he's he, if he's active, he's going to get volume. And the Giants have allowed the third most fantasy points to running backs through the air, and we know Gio can catch. He can catch passes. He's had five or more targets in three of his last four games. With usually when you have um, inexperienced quarterbacks come in, they tend to target. They tend right. to dump off the, the ball to running backs more. Eleven running backs have had ten or more half PPR points against Cincinnati. So that's <clears throat> a semblance of a floor there. And I'm not extremely worried about P. Ryan if Bernard is active. He's had the snap shares. He's had the role to himself. Yeah. I, I am willing to plug him in. Yeah, I think... Uh, again, with, with a concussion, if the guy's active, you tend not to worry about a, uh, a reoccurrence in the game. So I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, I think Geo for your re- for your redraft leagues is a decent RB two option and DFS if you're playing, uh, you know, in DFS I think he's a great play this week because he can catch a ton of balls and like I said with Brandon Allen starting I don't even think we're gonna need to discuss T Higgins and AJ Green you're not gonna start him you can't trust Brandon Allen my only question is Tyler Boyd being the slot man the short target guy can you. Can can you maybe plug him in as a flex option with Brandon Allen, or you, or will you fade all Bengals receivers? I probably would, only because the Giants have been pretty bad against the slot. They've allowed um, nearly thirteen fantasy points to four different slot receivers this year. Mm-hmm. Boyd's been consistent for most of the season, but again, that was with Joe Burrow. You can't. It's it's like comparing mm-hmm. apples to seeds. Or I don't I don't even know what a good comparison for that is, but it's just the, the drop off in quarterback is going to be big. But again, like I said, new quarterbacks come in, they tend to like the dump off, target the middle of the field. Boyd could be that guy. The Giants, they have Bradbury's been playing really well. He's going to he's I don't I doubt he's going to shadow, but both Green and Higgins should see a lot of him. I don't want any part of them, like you said, just yeah. sit him. Yeah, the Cincy offense is pretty straightforward. You'll probably plug in Bernard. Uh, if you need to play Boyd, you can. If you could avoid him, I probably would with Brandon Allen. And then Higgins and Green, I don't think you should consider. One piece of, uh, I guess you could call it breaking news, uh, was just reported Austin Eckler has, quote-unquote, a chance to play per Anthony Lynn, head coach of the Chargers. So we just discussed the Chargers game. Anthony Lynn saying he has a chance to play doesn't really clear anything up. Maybe it makes it a little bit more optimistic. So once again, if you're a Austin Eckler owner or a Kalen Balazs owner, make sure to keep a close eye on Eckler's status going into the weekend. But that covers the Giants-Bengals. Not, not an overly exciting game. And now here comes the Colts versus the Titans, which is interesting because they just played two weeks ago. And it was a pretty fun Thursday night game. The Colts came out on top in what most people considered an upset so let's start with the losing team, the Titans, and and how you think they're going to fare against a really good Colts defense. So while the Colts do have a good defense, I think they've been overachieving a bit. They are due for some negative regression at that point, like you saw with Green Bay, 31 points. Adams had a good game. Rodgers had a good game. They did limit Jones 
a bit. So that's that is not a great sign if you're Derrick Henry. He did he only had eleven point four in his last matchup against them. I still have him in my top eight, but again, this is a team that hasn't allowed more than sixteen point eight to any running back. Mm-hmm. And just to get back to one thing, this is this game on paper has the third fastest pace of any team, neutral situation pace, based on how these teams have played up until now. So, and it also has a 15.5-point uh, total. So there should be a lot of points scored. With regard to Ryan Tannehill, again, we did see Rodgers play really well. Rod- Tannehill might not be on the level that Rodgers is, but he's going to have some volume in this game. Colts have allowed at least 17.6 to five of the last six quarterbacks. So there is some promise there. Tannehill only scored 10.8 in their last matchup. That was the one matchup that the Colts have been good in over the last six games. I would still consider him a mid-level QB2 just because he does have the upside to post 30 points any given week. And you did mention before that A.J. Brown has mispracticed previous uh, uh, Wednesday and Thursday yeah. did he practice? No, he did not practice. Yes, he's not yet this week, but last week he didn't practice really either and then he ended up playing. So I'm not, I don't think I'm overly concerned about AJ Brown's injury, but it is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, if you've got AJ Brown, you're unless you you have an absolutely loaded team, you're going to start him. Yeah. He did have just 2.6 points in the last matchup, but the, I I don't Again, it's one game. He's had 14.2 or more fantasy points in five of the other six games. Um, they've The Colts have allowed 13 or more fantasy points to eight receivers, including five since week six. So there definitely is some hope for Brown. If he doesn't play or if he's limited, I would say Corey Davis is probably high-end wide receiver three. If Brown is active, I'd probably bump him down to low end. Did I say RB3? Yeah. I don't think Corey Davis plays running back. Yes, yeah, wide okay. receiver three, yeah. Yeah, wide receiver three. Um, I'd probably have him, actually, I'd probably have him close to the wide receiver four range. He has had 9.2 points in every single game except for one. He's had 11 or more fantasy points in five of his eight games this season. So there is some hope. Again, he's a, he's a, if if you're in a position where you've got a solid lineup and you need a guy who's going to get you eight to twelve points, you can you can plug Corey Davis in pretty confidently. As for Johnny Smith, I have him as a high end tight end too. I know he's uh, and at Fantasy Pros he's ranked as he's probably ranked I think in the ten to twelve range. I have him more in the 14th, 15 range. He has six targets in his last in each of his last two games after four straight games of four targets or less. But the yeah. Colts have allowed the third fewest fantasy points to tight ends. Only two tight ends have scored double digits against them. I don't love the matchup. He needs a he needs he's very touchdown dependent. I that I don't like relying on guys who are as touchdown dependent as him, especially in a matchup against a team that's only allowed one touchdown to the position this season. Yeah, Janu. Yeah, I think he had a rushing touchdown against them, but obviously that's pretty fluky and not something you can really yeah. rely on. 
So again, keep an oh, eye. I could have said he's going to be an RB too. <laughs> yeah, that would have worked. <laughs> but you could keep an eye on AJ Brown's injury. I do still think he'll play, but make sure to keep an eye on it. And now we'll get over to the Colts offense, which is is a complicated offense in my opinion. A lot of players, no clear clear starts at any position. Uh, w- what do you think about the Colts offense? I think Frank Reich uh, hates us this year. <laughs> Um, they, he's been splitting snaps between Taylor, Hines, um, and what is it? Taylor, Hines, and Taylor, Hines, well, and, um, what's his name? It's uh, escaping my mind. Yeah. Uh, what's his it's... name? Exactly. Oh, that's wow. He's been playing this season. That's why. Why Let's can't I think of his name? Wilkins. Jordan Wilkins. Yeah. Because the way he plays, he's just a guy where you just can't think of his name. Yeah. Um, He's been, they've been, he's been going with a hot hand, and that's not really great for fantasy purposes. I consider Taylor as a mid-level RB two after he had 26 touches in Week 11. Yeah. Um, he had less than 10 in the two games before, so again, the floor is there. We know that he did have 55% of the, uh, 55% snaps here last week. That helps. He had 34% or less in the three previous games. That's concerning. So you've got you've got both sides. Tennessee has allowed the seventh most fantasy points to running backs. 11 running backs have scored double digits against them. Eight have scored at least 13. So Taylor could creep into the high-end RB2 range if he gets that same type of workload. As for Hines, I'm streaming him, especially after what he did against the, against the Titans in his last matchup. He had 26 fantasy points. He had, he's had 10, 10 or more opportunities in three of his last four games. So we do know he's got a floor of five or six points. That can happen any given week. But in a matchup against an offense like Tennessee, they might, not, they might need to throw a bit. So Hines could be a decent start. And then as far as the receivers, that's almost as bad as, as, bad a situation as their running backs. Except for the last few weeks, there is one guy emerging. Uh, Michael Pittman has had an 80% snap share in three straight games. He's, um, he's I consider him a low-end wide receiver three, but I'm almost starting him with confidence, especially if you're in a 12-team league. This is the eighth-worst pass defense. They've allowed the six most fantasy points to wide receivers. 14 receivers have scored 10 or more. Nine receivers have scored 13 or more. Pittman did have 15.7 half PPR points in their last matchup. Uh, yeah, the Colts offense is interesting because there's just not many people you know that you can trust, but there are people that are scoring every week. Naeem Hines had you know a huge week two weeks ago, down week last week. Jonathan Taylor finally started to sing a ton of touches last week. So Taylor, like you said, I think just based on volume is a decent option. And then receiver-wise, I think it's really going to come down to scoring. But the Titans' pass defense hasn't been very good. And Michael Pittman is clearly becoming a favorite of Phillip Rivers. So I like him uh, in DFS, and I like him in redraft as well. And now let's move on to Carolina at Minnesota. Um, as it says here, pretty slow-paced game. I don't, I don't see a ton of points happening here, but um, 
Let's jump in with the Panthers first and uh, Teddy Bridgewater. What do you think about him? I think he's a decent streaming option this week. He's had 19 or more fantasy points in five of his last seven games. Minnesota's allowed 19 or more fantasy points to six of the last 10 quarterbacks they faced. So it's a pretty decent situation. He seems like he's at full health. Uh, at running back, I'm going to fade Mike Davis a bit, and not because I think Christian McCaffrey is going to play. It's, it's, it's just that after scoring 19 or more in his first three starts, he's maxed out at 14.9 in any game since. And last week he scored four, last week was the week he scored 14.9, and that was the worst run defense in the league. He had 21 touches. That's not very encouraging. Only one running back has scored more than 13.2 against Minnesota since week five. I don't love it. I'd probably have him in the mid to RB2 range. Uh, DJ Moore, I like him a lot. He's a he's a mid a mid range uh, wide receiver too for me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's at 17 or more in four of his last seven. He's quietly been very solid. He's seventh in the league in air yards since week six. That helps. It means he's getting a lot of deep targets. Minnesota is the second worst team on a per target basis against the slot. Moore plays around 40% of his snaps there, so that helps. Okay. Uh, as for Robbie Anderson, I think we're getting to the point where he's a bit overrated in the fantasy community. He is still a mid-level wide receiver three for me, but he hasn't had more than 10.8 half PPR points in any of his last six games. He hasn't scored since week one, um, and he hasn't. He hasn't reached double-digit fantasy points in four of his last six. So, don't love him. Curtis Samuel, he's one of my favorite streaming options in the league. Again, I didn't mention that this is one of the worst defenses against the slot. Samuel plays more than half half of his snaps there. He's at 14.3 or more fantasy points in four of his last five. And what's interesting is he's averaging 9.2 opportunities over his last six. That's valuable. Yeah, Samuel has low-key become a lot, a much bigger part of this Panthers offense than he was early in the season. And like you said with Robbie Anderson, like the first month of the year, Robbie Anderson was a revelation to fantasy, and everyone fell in love with him. And it was like, oh, he was stuck on the Jets forever. If he was had a quarterback, it could have been so good. But you see Robbie Anderson is starting to come back to earth, coming back to his regular boomer bustish self not as much because he has a better offense there in carolina so he doesn't have such a bust level but robbie anderson is no longer that wide receiver one or high end two that he was the first month of the season but dj Moore, curtis samuel considering the stats out of the slot versus the vikings i like those both a lot and now moving on to the vikings where i'm just gonna say this start delvin cook that is pretty obvious um, if just assuming Thielen remains out, and that is an assumption right now, we don't know that for sure, but Alicia, if Thielen's out, uh, you have t- uh, Justin Jefferson as a top 10 wide receiver, so you're clearly very high on him. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on Jefferson if Thielen is out? Well, if Thielen's out, that's 7.6 targets per game that's available. Mm-hmm. And with Jefferson, we're talking about a guy who's had 16 or more fantasy points in four of his last eight. And in games that he's had more than five targets, he's scored 27, 33.1, and 17.5. Wow. Can, that, that, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm playing him either way, but if Thielen is inactive, he's, he's going to be in every one of my DFS lineups, and I'm starting him as a very strong wide receiver one. 
yeah, Justin Jefferson, if Thielen is out, is going to be a star. If Thielen is in, obviously play him. And Jefferson, you're still going to start, but he probably falls down to more of like an RB2, maybe a flex, depending on how deep your team is. But they're both still good options. Kirk Cousins, you're, I don't think you're going to start him in a redraft league. If you have to stream someone, he's not an awful option, um, as Alicia has here. Carolina's given up 17 or more in six of their last eight to quarterbacks. But then again, 17 for a QB isn't all that exciting. So Cousins, if you can avoid him, I would. And then the tight end situation here on the Vikings has been all but non-existent this year outside of goal line touchdowns. So unless you're hoping Irv Smith catches a four-yard touchdown, I would just avoid the Vikings tight ends overall. And that basically covers it for the game. Again, the main injury to keep an eye on for this one would be Adam Thielen. Not an injury, but the COVID. See if he ends up playing. That covers the Carolina versus Minnesota game. And now we have a, a pretty exciting game. I'm ex- really excited about this one. The Cardinals versus the Patriots. So let's start with the Cardinals because they're obviously a lot more fun offensively. And... I'm going to go again out on a limb here and say that you believe you everyone should start Kyler Murray. Yes? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless there are some reports out there that he's limited, you are starting yeah. fantasies. What is he, the QB1 this I season? I think he's QB1. And, and, and last I saw, uh, quote-unquote, from him and Kingsbury, he's feeling fine, shoulder feels fine. I don't ex- the only thing limited out of Kyler maybe would be if they maybe try to limit as many scripted runs. But he's still going to run the ball if he sees the opportunity. The only downside maybe is that they won't call as many scripted runs with him to keep that shoulder healthy, but you're starting Kyler. But now let's get to the confusing situation here and that's Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds and the way they're splitting up this backfield. If you had to choose one, who are you going with? So I've got, in two leagues that I'm fighting for the playoff spots, I've got a playoff spot. I've got Drake in one and Edmonds in the other. So this week, I am starting Drake and I'm sitting Edmonds. Okay, wait, breaking Drake. news. Sorry, I got I to gotta cut you okay. off because we got, bre- we got breaking news. Ravens-Steelers is being tentatively moved from Sunday to Tuesday night. So everyone out there listening... Who has anyone on the Ravens or the Steelers? As of now, the game is being scheduled for Tuesday night. But again, that's a tentative move. We'll see if that sticks. But yeah, I just thought that was important to announce. Uh, But continue with Drake and Edmonds. Sorry about that. Yeah, actually, I wonder if that game will will end up happening. Yeah. So let's get um, with Drake. The seven running backs that have seen... At least 14 carries against New England this season have averaged 15.7 fantasy points. None of them scored fewer than 9.7. Drake has had 14 or more carries in seven of his nine games. So that's the encouraging part. For mm-hmm. Edmonds, though, New England has allowed the seventh fewest fantasy points to running backs through the year. So that is something that we should be concerned about because Edmonds is averaging just 4.4 get carries in games that Drake is active. So not I don't love it and again no running back has had more than three receptions against New England since week one I'm sitting him I've got him outside my top 30 at the position uh 
Obviously, you're starting Hopkins. There is some reason for concern, and I am fading him in DFS because he is playing Bill Belichick, and Belichick has a tendency to take away the, the opposing team's top weapon. Yeah. That is something to worry about. I'm streaming Christian Kirk. He's an upside wide receiver three, especially with Larry Fitzgerald out. That's, that's 5.7 targets per game that's opening up. Kirk has had at least six targets in five of his last six games. He scored at least nine fantasy points in five of his last seven. And he scored 18 or more in three of his last five. The upside is there. And as a really deep league dart throw and, a, and for DFS purposes, I like Andy Isabella a lot. On a per-target basis, New England is the worst team against the slot. Um, they've, they've allowed... They've allowed a lot of fantasy points to the position. Isabella's got a shot to have a decent game there. He, you've seen him. He had a two-touchdown game earlier in the season. I yeah. don't know if I'd expect that, but he's, he's a definitely shot definitely a good sneaky DFS play in redraft. Unless you're playing in a crazy deep league, you're not going to be playing him. But DFS definitely someone to keep an eye on. And how about the Patriots? Because this offense, like week to week, is just so hard to figure out who's going to be the guy. So Cam Newton, let's just start with the quarterback. Cam Newton, you starting him versus uh, Cardinals defense? Yeah, as I wrote in my start sit article, he's one of my top starts this week. To all to Arizona has faced Dwayne Haskins, Joe Flacco, and Andy Dalton this season. But if you exclude those three quarterbacks. They're allowing an average of 22.9 fantasy points per game. Wow. None of the other quarterbacks have scored fewer than 18.5. Additionally, and this fits right up Cam's alley, they've allowed the third most rushing yards and the sixth most opportunities to the position. They've allowed an average of 49.8 rush yards for the last, 40, to the last four quarterbacks they faced. Wow. I think he's a really good start this week. Okay, and how about, what are you going to do about this running back situation? We got some clarity, unfortunately, with Rex Burkhead getting hurt. Obviously, it's never good when someone gets hurt. But for fantasy purposes, it kind of cuts it down to a two-man backfield. Damian Harris, James White, and yeah, I mean, Damian Harris is going to run the ball. James White is going to catch the ball. That's just kind of how it is. And uh, Harris, I mean, due to the fact that he gets basically no targets do you still feel comfortable starting him this week if you're in a standard league sure i mean he's had he's had double digit fantasy points in three of his last four and arizona's allowed double digits to seven running backs but these this is an interesting situation where i've got two guys where i'll be starting one and sitting the other in one format and and the opposite yeah. in the opposite format so harris i'm starting in san, in standard leagues but i'm leaning towards sitting him in PPR, whereas White, I will stream him in PPR. Um, he, he, he's going to get uh, more looks in the passing game with Rex Burkett, with Rex Burkett out, so that'll help. Uh, I, in PPR leagues, I probably have him as a high-end uh, RB3. All right, so yeah, I hear that. James White, for sure, obviously better in PPR than not, and there's really only one receiver to discuss here on the Patriots team. And that's Jacoby Myers. He's been getting the snap share out of this world, 98-plus percent snap share in four straight games, six targets in four of his last five. And Arizona has been pretty generous to receivers. So I assume that you like Myers somewhere in that flex range. Yeah, he's a, he's a 
decent enough flex option uh, in 12-team leagues. Yeah, you know, def- if you've got two flex spots, plug him into one of those spots, and he'll probably get you a decent amount of points. Yeah, so that, that basically covers it for the Patriots and the Cardinals. Really no one else on the Patriots catches a lot of balls. Demir Bird caught a deep touchdown last week, but I don't think anyone's starting him. Maybe take a quick look at him in DFS if you want to get wild. Um, but let's move on to the Jets versus the Dolphins, which in years past would always be a game that you just automatically avoid everyone involved. But the Dolphins are a different team this year. So let's start with them. And and the quarterback and Tua and what you think about him going against this awful Jets secondary? Well, I know Miami is a decent team this week, but I don't think you could pay me enough to watch this game. No I, I'd rather watch paint dry, to be honest. But as far as fantasy is concerned, I've got Tua as a streaming option in deep leagues. In Superflex, you could definitely plug him into that second flex spot. The Jets have the second-worst pass defense. They've allowed the fourth-most fantasy points and the third-most opportunities to quarterbacks. They've allowed at least 18 fantasy points to six quarterbacks, including five of the last six they faced. Tua did have 21.4 in Week 9. He's been a pretty bad fantasy option in the other games, but it's worth. he's worth the plug-in in deep leagues. Okay, and then what, what are you going to do about I mean, the running back situation kind of cleared itself up for fantasy owners with Ahmed being out now. Gaskin looks like he's on his way back to being to returning. So Gaskin, where would you put him in? You put him in probably about a flex or low-end RB2? How do you look at Gaskin? Probably high-end RB3. There is a chance he's going to be limited in his first game back. He had 14.6 fantasy points the last times the last time these two teams played. But that was the highest output of any running back that, that any running back has, put, has posted against the Jets since week five. They're more of a pass funnel defense. I, I'm not like rushing to plug him back into my lineup if I have other options. All right. And then at receiver, um, we've got one guy, and that's Devontae Parker. He's probably a low, mid to low end wide receiver two, uh, this week. The Jets have allowed the fourth most fantasy points to receivers and the third most receiving yards. Eleven receivers have scored at least 13 half PPR points wow. against the Jets. And Parker's volume without Preston Williams in the lineup, 9.2 targets per game and 15.1 half PPR points per game. I like that a lot. I, I like him in my wide receiver two spot. I feel very comfortable with that. Yeah, I like Devontae Parker. And like you said, there's really no other wide receiver on this team to talk about. And then Mike Kosicki at tight end, someone people had a lot of high hopes for coming into the season. But ever since they made the switch from Fitzpatrick to Tua, Kosicki's been almost invisible. So unless you're in a very deep league, I wouldn't touch him. And that basically covers it for the Dolphins. And then the Jets, I mean, let's just be real, Alicia, straight up. Like, are you starting a single Jet other than maybe James Jamison Crowder? Uh... If I am, I don't deserve to make the playoffs. <laughs> uh, just so I no, sit them all. I don't. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe, maybe Crowder because Darnold has a crush on him. But other than that, no. Yeah, this Jets offense is awful, and the Miami defense is—I don't even think it's underrated at this point. It's a good defense. 
So yeah. According to our metrics, they're literally the top pass defense in the league. Yeah, so, Miami. Yeah, I'm avoiding them all. Yeah, Miami has been terrific on defense, and honestly, if we're in Week 12 and you're still considering starting Jets, you're probably not really in playoff contention, unfortunately. I will, I will say one thing: if you're in a 20-team league and you need a second flex, you might consider plugging in uh, 83-year-old Frank Gore. <laughs> uh, he he has had more than nine fantasy points once since week five last year, and that came last week Yikes. when he scored 14.1. So, I mean, you got you have to be extremely desperate. But to, yeah, but overall, yeah, like you said, avoid the Jets yeah. like you if you could. And then another game that really isn't all that exciting fantasy-wise is the Browns at the Jags. And let's kick it off with the road team and the Browns. Uh, how do you? What do you think Mayfield's going to do today uh, on Sunday, and how do you think that backfield's going to split up? Yeah, this is another game that if if you've got insomnia or sleeping issues, just turn this one on; <laughs> it'll put you right to sleep. Yeah. Um, Baker Mayfield, I've he's he's a he is a streaming option. I mean, I'm being hesitant here because he's been so bad from a fantasy perspective, um, but. The Jags have the seventh worst pass defense. They've allowed the third most fantasy points to quarterbacks. Six quarterbacks have scored 24 or more fantasy points against them. Baker has scored, I think, more than 15 points twice this season. He has had one decent game. So, again, you you have to be really desperate. But there is a possibility that he has a decent game. As far as the running backs are concerned, I've got Chubb as a high-end RB1. I've got Hunt as a high-end RB2. This is one of the worst defenses in the league. They allow an average of 30 touches mm-hmm. to running backs per game. So both should be playable uh, and playable. And they should, they could both have ceiling games in this one. I hope Jarvis you're right. Landry, yeah, continue. I'm sorry? No, so I hope you're right because I have Kareem Hunt. But yeah, continue. Jarvis Landry, yeah, I mean, he, he should be interesting against such a bad defense, no? Yeah, he's going against the undrafted, an undrafted rookie in Trey Herndon. Um, they allowed the seventh most fantasy points to receivers. 16 receivers have scored 11 or more half PPR points against them. Wow. The issue is, he's only had seven targets in his last two games. Ooh. And this is a game where Cleveland could realistically have a 40 to 10 <laughs> run to pass split. Yeah. So. I'm not very excited about it. I'm not excited about any of the other receivers in the team. I'm not even excited about Austin Hooper, even though this is a really good matchup. Um, he's He just hasn't been very good. I don't even know if he's had more than 12 fantasy points in any game. He's probably a low-end tight end, tight end one that you can plug in there if you need somewhere between six and nine points, but yeah, I'm not mean... very excited about it. Yeah, like you said, this really could be an extremely, extremely run-heavy game out of Cleveland, which will obviously hurt Mayfield and any pass catchers on the Browns. But if you own Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt, get them in your lineup ASAP because the Jags' run defense is awful. And then looking at the Jaguars' offense, I'm not even going to talk about Mike Lennon because that's a joke. Uh as I mentioned earlier, DJ Chark is not playing, and neither is Chris Conley. So that really just leaves Keelan Cole and LaVisca Chenault. But considering the quarterback, 
you're not playing them in redraft. If you want to take a look at them in DFS, it would be a little bit, you know, gutsy, but they could they could get some targets. But the only person I want to talk about is Mr. James Robinson, undrafted rookie running back. He's been incredible and he's going up against a pretty bad run defense in the Browns. So are you still confident in James Robinson, even though the rest of the Jaguars offense might be awful? To be honest, I kind of wanted to spend 10 to 15 minutes talking about Mike Lennon, but I guess <laughs> if, if you're not in the mood, we'll just move on. To just not in the mood today. Next time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe next time. Um, the they, Cleveland hasn't been so generous to opposing running backs, but according to our metrics, uh, they are the 10th worst run defense. One of the reasons they haven't been so generous is because they've only allowed the eighth fewest touches. But we're talking about a guy who's averaging 23.8 touches over his last four games, which is insane. Miles Garrett, I think he's out he's for out, this yeah, game. He's out. That helps. He's a good run defender. Uh, he's, an, he's a mid-level RB1. Um, yeah. You know, you just plug him. He's a set and forget. Yeah, James just, Robinson... Don't yeah, I don't care who's their quarterback. When you have a running back getting literally over twenty touches for a month straight and he's their whole offense, you're playing him regardless. So that covers the Jags Browns game. And now let's move on to New Orleans Denver, which is gonna be weird. Uh there's no Drew Brees once again. We got you got Taysom Hill, so let's start right there. Taysom Hill, is he gonna repeat that pretty spectacular performance from last week? Repeat? I don't think so. This is this is a Denver team. They are, they have the tenth best pass defense according to our metrics, but they have allowed the eleventh most opportunities to quarterbacks, meaning passes and rush attempts, and they've allowed nineteen or more fantasy points to six quarterbacks. The issue is, I don't think they've allowed more than twenty-four to any quarterback. They did allow two two passes of have have managed. And I just said have three times at least. Mm-hmm. So uh, 75 rush yards and a touchdown against Denver. Wow. And we know Hill is going to run a lot. He had two rushing touchdowns and 53 yards, or was it 51 yards last week? He also completed 78% of his passes, which is very impressive. He's uh, he's probably a high-end QB, too. Okay, and then obviously Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, assuming they play, you're playing, you know, you're starting them. We're not even going to have to discuss that. Uh, again, just keep an eye on the injuries, but I do expect them both to play. Emmanuel Sanders really just hasn't done enough to consider being played in redraft leagues. If you want to take a stab at him in DFS, go for it, but I wouldn't expect very much with Taysom Hill at quarterback. And then Jared Cook last week, I believe, played about 35 or 36% of the snaps. I think he only got one target. With, with Taysom Hill at QB, you can't play Jared Cook. I would fade him, and that basically covers the Saints. Pretty straightforward. You're starting Kamara, you're starting Thomas, and in two QB leagues, you're starting Hill, and Hill could be an interesting DFS option. And now let's go to the other team, to the Broncos. Well, now that he's not a tight end anymore, maybe oh, less so. That's Kind of like that free square right there. Yeah, but. they did remove him from the tight end eligibility, which is a little bit sad, but look, he's a quarterback, I guess, at this point, so it is what it is. But moving on to Denver, Drew Locke, no one's starting him. That really, you know, that's just not even on anyone's mind. I doubt anyone even owns him. 
My question to you is, what are you going to do about Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay? Because they're they're kind of eating at each other's touches. Gordon's getting the touchdowns. Lindsay is being productive. So what do you think out of the both of them? I'm sitting both. Like you said, they're splitting touches. And this is a this is a New Orleans defense that's allowed the fewest fantasy points to running backs on the ground and overall. They haven't allowed a running back to score since week four. And Gordon has 21.3 combined fantasy points in his last four games that he's failed to score a touchdown. Again, you're going to be relying on a touchdown for him to yeah. to put up a, a decent game, and I just don't see it happening. Lindsey hasn't had more than eight fantasy points in any of his last in five of his last seven games. He's splitting carries. It's not a good matchup. I don't want any part of him. The only guy in this matchup that I would consider is Jerry Judy. He's probably a wide receiver three for me. New Orleans has allowed nine or more fantasy points to 15 receivers. They've allowed 14 or more to eight receivers. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is that Judy has 118 more air yards than any receiver in the league since week six. Wow. So he's getting the deep targets. It's just a matter of hitting one. If he hits one, he can get, he can get you a decent fantasy day on just that one play. So you can plug him in there. He can still get you a, a, a salvageable or somewhat decent performance, even if he doesn't get the big play. But I'm plugging him in as a flex option. And then I see and no offense. Yeah. He hasn't scored eight more than eight points in seven straight games. I'm not particularly interested in that. Yeah, fan to someone that yes, tight end is brutal this year. But if you could avoid him, I would. Uh, tight ends, like he, I mean, he just hasn't been effective. Plain and simple. Right, and I will say that New Orleans—they started out as one of the worst defenses against tight ends, but over the last seven games, no tight end has scored more than eight point seven half PPR points against them. So yeah, yeah. Last week, last week around. I fell into that trap, thinking that the Saints were bad against tight ends. I played Hayden Hurst, and he had zero points. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I would fade that, Fant. That, that. Yeah, and then. All right, so let's move on to a divisional matchup here. We got 49ers versus the Rams. Interesting game. I mean, the Niners offense, I'll just kick it off. Obviously, you're not starting Nick Mullins. Brandon Ayuk seems to is still on the COVID list. I don't even think he's going to play. Debo Samuel looks like he should play, but with Nick Mullins at quarterback, I personally am not starting him or trusting him in any redraft leagues. And then that same goes for Jordan Reed. He, everyone thought he might have done something with Kittle out. Jordan Reed really hasn't done much of anything. Um, so the only question for me is the backfield here in San Francisco. It looks like Raheem Mostert might actually return finally from injury. And uh, what do you think? Do you think he is someone that you should start in his first week back against this Rams defense? I mean, first of all, you started by saying interesting game. I don't know if I'd use the word interesting to describe this. Well, you know, when I see San Francisco LAR, I think of lap. You know, I think you know it was a good Niners team, but now the Niners have Mullins. Yeah. It this threw year, me this off. This year, this this one could that this one could get ugly pretty quickly. Yeah. Especially with all the injuries San Francisco has, but as far as Mostert is concerned, I'm plugging him in as a high end RB three. He did have 8.6 half PPR points in their last matchup. And in, in this season, he's only played four games, but he's averaging 15.7 fantasy points in those four games. 
the upside is there. He's the one guy that Shanahan always uses when he's active. So I'm I'm starting him if he's active and there are no reports saying that he's going to be limited. Yeah, I agree with you. I have Mostert personally on my team. I don't know if I'm going to start him, but I definitely have an I want to because when he plays a full game, he like you said, he's averaging nearly 16 points a game. So if you have Raheem Mostert and you're not loaded at running back, barring any reports of a pitch count, I would get him in your lineup. And then the Rams are kind of straightforward in at least the wide receiver position. You're starting Cup, you're starting Woods. I don't think there's anything really to talk about. Do you disagree on the receivers at least? You're starting both. No, I'm starting both. I like Cup more just because he's got that matchup with Jamar Taylor now that Quan Williams is out. Yeah, and so the target I'm... share. is that Yeah, Cup's target share has been absurd the last three weeks. Got 41 targets. You can't sit <laughs> Copper. Yeah, it's just insane. You can't sit Copper Woods. The running backs. I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, steal your wonderful notes here. But I mean, the the Los Angeles Rams running backs are unstartable. You just you don't know who it's going to be yeah. when. It's not just a two way split. It's a three way split, and the Niners have a good run defense. So do not start a Rams running back unless you are absolutely desperate. So my question to you is Jared Goff. What do you think about him against San Francisco? And potentially, like you said, they could blow out. That might lead to a more run-heavy game. Do you think in redraft 12-team leagues, Goff should be starting? So what's weird about Goff this season is he's had he's had games of 24 points, 26.2 points, 25.4 points, and 25 points. And all of those games have come on the road at home he's been awful he's averaging just 12.3 fantasy points at home and what's weird about that is he's usually known for having gouty numbers at home he's yeah. he's he's been he's like one of the he's he was the new ben roethlisberger in the home roads the home road splits and he's also had less than 17 fantasy points in six of his last 10 and six of the 10 games this season San Francisco hasn't been extremely generous to quarterbacks. I'm avoiding Goff this week. Yeah, yeah, unless you really, really have to. And I just, you, there's no need to push Goff into your lineup. But again, Cup and Woods are people you're relying on and you're starting. And here is probably the headline, not probably, it is the headline of the weekend, number one game Kansas City Chiefs at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, over under a 55.5. This game. I mean, let's all hope it does not let us down. And I don't want to discredit this game by not talking about it a lot, but there are some obvious players you're going to start that I'm just going to run through so we could save a little bit of time. You're starting Mahomes. You're starting Tyreek Hill. You're starting Travis Kelsey. You're starting Tom Brady, likely. Um, and then we'll get to the Bucks receivers. That's a whole other conversation. But moving back to the Chiefs, I see here that you're not very excited about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and that makes sense against this Tampa Bay defense. So why don't you just give us a little bit more details on why you would not be so excited about Hilaire this week. Our metrics have the Buccaneers defense as the best run defense in the league. They've allowed the six fewest fantasy points to the position. Only one running back has had more than 13.4 fantasy points against them since Christian McCaffrey in week two. Um... As for Hilaire, he's 
he's had a snapshot of 53 point uh, of 53% or less in every game with Le'Veon Bell. And before Bell came along, he was averaging an insane 23 opportunities per game. And since it's down to 11.8, that's that's a huge drop. He did get 16 last week, but I'm just he's more of he's actually pretty close to the low end RB two for me. Um, he could salvage the game his game with some receptions. Tampa Bay has allowed the most receptions to running backs. Edwards Lair is their pass catching back when they do decide to throw the ball to running backs, which they haven't as much since Bell came along. Um, again, middle middle to low end RB2. Okay, and then, I mean, outside of Tyreek Hill, the Kansas City Chiefs receivers, I mean, we know the deal. You basically are hoping for that deep shot touchdown. Otherwise, none of them really are going to see the volume to be worth starting in redraft leagues. So that basically covers the Chiefs. And now moving on to the Bucks. So as I said, you're probably if you have Tom Brady on your team, you're almost certainly going to be starting him, even against Kansas City, who has a good pass defense. But the game script, everything involved, unless you have a great option, you're starting Brady. But what really interests me is the backfield here and the receivers. Let's start with the backfield. What are you going to do about Fournette and Ronald Jones? Because it's it's there again, like almost like the Denver situation. Two guys just eating into each other's production. So I'm a big Ronald Jones fan, and that's always a scary thing to say when one fumble could just end his day, given the way Bruce Arians operates. But Kansas City's tied for the worst run defense in the league, according to our metrics. They've allowed the seventh most running back opportunities, the thirteenth most fantasy points. Eight running backs have scored double digits against them. Every running back that has seen at least 11 carries has scored 10 or more. And Jones has had 13 or more carries in seven of the 11 games. As for Fournette, I'm I'm not touching him. He's had 9.1 or fewer fantasy points in five of his last six games. And it's hard to see a scenario in which he gets a lot of touches, especially since the defense that they're going up against is more geared towards Ronald Jones. Yeah, no, I I hear that. I think Ronald Jones is going to be a better start than Fournette. I have Fournette on my own team. He will be on my bench. I am fading him as well. And before we get to the receivers, which will be an interesting discussion, you have Gronk, who is a touchdown-dependent tight end one, and that's really what Gronk is, uh, pretty touchdown-dependent. But at this point, considering the tight end landscape, Unless you have a really, really good option, you're probably starting Gronk. So, yeah, I would just stick with that. But let's get to the receivers. And I don't want to get too deep because we're running a little bit on time. But, look, obviously you got three great options. So how do you see the targets being split up? And at the end of the day, who do you think of the Bucks' three receivers is going to walk out with the most fantasy points? So... Let's just talk about for a second the targets since Antonio Brown joined the team. Uh, um, Brown and Evans lead the team with 26 targets during those three games. Godwin has 22 and Gronk has 15. So it's a pretty even split between the three and then Gronk's getting his his fair share. Brown actually has the most air yards of the three, but the key thing here is the red zone targets. Mike Evans has 10. Gronk has three, and both Brown and Godwin have one. So Evans is getting the money balls. Yeah. 
Um, Kansas City is stingy on receivers. That hasn't really mattered for the Tampa Bay guys. I mean, they played the Rams last week. They're the toughest team on receivers. They still produce. I'd probably have Evans the highest of the three. He's a, a lower-end wide receiver, too, for me. Again, they do cannibalize each other's value, so none are going to be any anywhere close to a wide receiver one. But Evans has had 13.4 or more in three of his last four. Godwin, I still like as a low-end wide receiver, too. He's had 12 or more in three of his last four games. And then there's Antonio Brown, who I have as a wide receiver three. He has yet to score more than more than 10.1 points in any of his games. But like I said, with the air yards, he is due, he's, that's going to result in touchdown regression, positive touchdown regression at some point soon. So you're going to want him in your lineup. Unless you're, you have a loaded squad, you're going to want him in your lineup for when that does happen. Yeah, I mean, personally for me, like I have Antonio Brown and I'm starting him this week. And I think I'm starting him over James Conner, and that might surprise a lot of people. But even before the whole COVID news regarding the Steelers-Ravens game, I think Conner faces a tough matchup against the Ravens. And I think Brown, like you said, he's due. He has the most air yards. He's tied for the most targets. He's due to get in the end zone. And I think this is the week it happens. And I hope so, because my playoff hopes kind of uh, depend on it. So uh, like Alicia said, you're starting Brady. Jones is a good start, fade Fournette, and all three receivers are startable, but not necessarily wide receiver ones because they're all taking each other's value. And now let's get to our last afternoon. No, sorry, this is the Sunday night game. So let's let's run through these primetime games uh, real quick. We got Bears versus Packers, greatest rivalry maybe in all of sports. Um, I'll start us off with the Bears. Uh I mean, Trubisky looks like he's going to be the starter. You're not starting Mitch Trubisky in any redraft league, so that ends that. David Montgomery, though, I know you're very high on, and the Packers have not been good against defending the run. So, Montgomery, where do you have him this week? As what, uh, RB2, I assume? Yeah, uh, a mid-level RB2, like you said. The Packers have not been good against the run. They've allowed the third most fantasy points, six most touches, Eight running backs have scored at least 13 fantasy points against them. Montgomery in the last seven games that he's been healthy has scored at least nine points in five of them. He's had an 81% snap share or higher in five straight games before he got injured. Yeah. So he's got the workload and he's got the matchup. So I'm plugging him in as a mid-level RB2. And then there's Allen Robinson, who's got a matchup against the toughest cornerback in football, Jair Alexander. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at what he did with Trubisky, he struggled a bit with Trubisky earlier this season. I've got him, and he's he's usually a wide receiver one, but I've got him closer to a mid-level wide receiver two for this game. And obviously, I'm not touching Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Green Bay's allowing the fifth fewest points, the fifth fewest fantasy points. The tight ends only one tight end has scored double digits against them all season. And he just hasn't been a very good football player, even though he's getting the targets. Yeah, so plain and simple for the Bears, you're fading Graham, you're fading the quarterback, get Montgomery in your lineup, and Allen Robinson, you're never really going to sit, but don't expect maybe his usual wide receiver one numbers. And moving on to the Packers, anyone who listens to this show consistently knows I'm a Packer fan, Alicia's a Packer fan, so... 
take that uh, with a grain of salt, whatever we might say about the Packers, but obviously there's no bias here on AMA. But let's just start it off with Aaron Rodgers. And obviously he's having a terrific season, but over the last couple of years, he's he's struggled a bit against this Bears defense. So so where do you see Rodgers ranking in Q, as a quarterback this week? I mean, Rodgers has been a high-end QB1 in nearly every single game, but I've got him almost in the QB2 range this week. We're talking about the fourth-best pass defense in the league that allowed the second-fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks. And what's insane, and I find every week I see this, I find the stat to be crazy. Only one quarterback has scored 20 or more fantasy points against the Bears over the last 36 games. Wow. Rodgers, during that stretch, Rodgers has faced them three times. He scored 12.5, 12.9, and 14.4. I'm fading him. He's still got the potential for a decent game, but I I don't love him. All right, and then what about uh, Aaron Jones against this Bears run defense? I mean, obviously, so, you're starting Aaron Jones, so... Yeah, you're starting him. Uh, the Bears do allow a lot of opportunities to running backs. They do allow some fancy points. Only one running back has scored more than 14.6 against them. However, if Akeem Hicks is out, I don't know exactly what his status his is. His status, I, I think he is trending towards doubtful. Okay, if he's out, Jones creeps into my top five because he's that much of a difference maker in that defense. Yeah, so I mean, again, Jones, you're starting Jones, but against this defense, maybe don't expect huge numbers. If Akeem Hicks is out, though, he could once again be very good. You're starting Devontae Adams, that's not a question. And then we get to the MVS and Lazard situation. So MVS was actually limited with a bit of an Achilles injury. And Alan Lazard came back last week from an injury, was on a bit of a pitch count. I expect him to be at full strength for this game. My personal opinion, I would have Lazard ranked ahead of MVS only because of this MVS injury that popped up during practice. Has me a little bit nervous. But in redraft leagues, you're not starting either of these guys do you disagree with that assessment, Alicia? No, this is a this is a Bears defense that's allowing the second fewest fantasy points to receivers. Yeah. So and other than you don't know which one of these guys is going to get the targets this week. Yeah. So I'm other not... than Devonte, you're not starting a Packers receiver, and then Robert Tanyan, he's a you know he's a tight end too. He's been very unreliable. He had a month stretch where he was on fire, and then since then it's been. It's been pretty quiet. So if you could if you could avoid Tanyan, I would. If you have no other option, you could stream him. But at this point in the season, hopefully you do have a better option at your tight end spot. So that that covers the Bears Packers. Just quick recap. Rodgers maybe be a little bit nervous. He's not done that well against the Bears, and the Bears have not given up twenty points. Has only given up twenty points once in their last thirty six games. And uh, on the Packers' side of the ball, you're starting Aaron Jones, you're starting Devontae Adams, and you're basically sitting everybody else. And last game, Monday Night Football, Seahawks versus the Eagles. And I'm sorry, before we get to this game, I want to give a little bit more breaking news. Adam Thielen is not expected to play on Sunday. Um Barring any changes over the weekend, he is bracing himself to be out. So, like we said earlier, Justin Jefferson is a must-start receiver this week. And now let's get to the Seattle-Philly game. And, again, kind of kind of simple here. You're starting Russell Wilson. You're starting DK Metcalf. You're starting Tyler Lockett. 
uh, with Chris Carson looking like he's on his way back. How do you feel about him against Philly, who has a pretty good run defense? Yeah, just one thing on that feeling news. I don't know if I'm allowed to celebrate that given, you know, the situation of the virus, but I am playing against Thielen in all in all of my um, home leagues. So oh. I'm a little bit happy <laughs> about that. Um, Chris Carson, I'm I'm actually pretty high on him. He's he's a mid to high end RB two if he's not limited. And again, he is playing on Monday night, so there is risk involved that we won't know exactly what his situation will be. But he's played in he's played five healthy games. He's played five fully healthy games this season. He scored at least sixteen point nine fantasy points in four in four of them. Uh, Philly has allowed the eleventh most running back touches this season. They've allowed at least fourteen point nine fantasy points to four different running backs, at least eleven point four to seven running backs. So they're not as tough a matchup as they used to be. And obviously, you're starting both Metcalf and Lockett. I am leaning, especially in DFS, I'm leaning towards Lockett. He's got a pretty solid matchup against Roby Coleman. Metcalf is going against Darius Slay. That's a bit concerning, but again, he's a beast. Nobody can stop him. Um, I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, and then Will Disley, uh, yeah, unless you're super desperate, I wouldn't touch Will Disley. It could be if you're in a deep league and there aren't that many options available now that Greg Olson's out, he's he could be a somewhat decent option. Philly has allowed more than ten fantasy points to tight ends four times, and as we know, ten fantasy points is a, a gold mine for tight <laughs> yeah. ends this year. No, it's true. This league for at least this week he could be a decent streamer, but I'm saying in your average ten or twelve team league, you're probably not looking at him. If you're in a deeper league, yeah. then it's a different situation. Definitely. Moving on to Philly. I mean, what what a just gross offense in general. They're playing, though, just a terrible defense. So Carson Wentz, obviously I'm not going to ask you if you could trust Carson Wentz because that would be absurd. But would you, if you're in a 12-team league, is he is he startable or is he just a QB2 for, for two quarterback leagues? So here's the thing. If you're okay with your eyes bleeding then yes, you can start Carson Wentz in this game. Because, I mean, he's really difficult to watch. He's just playing such bad football. But as a fantasy option, he's not that bad. He scored at least 18 points in seven of his 10 games this season. And it doesn't feel like it because he's been so bad on the actual football field. And Seattle's allowed at least 20 points in eight of their 10 games. They've allowed the second most fantasy points to QBs. They've allowed the most opportunities to quarterbacks. And they have the eighth worst pass defense according to our metrics. So, I, I, I think he's probably actually a high end QB two. There is some, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but there's probably a little bit of risk that he loses some snaps to Jalen Hurts, given the way he's been playing. Yeah. But I'd still be comfortable plugging him in if you need a streamer. All right, and then moving on to the running backs. I mean, it's just really Miles Sanders. Uh, you have him as a low end RB one. And how confident are you in Miles Sanders Monday night? Look, I'm not confident in the Philly offense as a whole. It seems like their play calling has been complete crap. And uh, I mean, but the one thing is Sanders is getting 19.6 opportunities per game. So that's something to bank on. Seattle has allowed 14 or more fantasy points to six running backs this season. So there is a possibility that Sanders... um, I think 
well, I should say I hope, especially since I do have him in quite a few leagues, I hope he can get back to his RB1 status this week. Yeah, so Sanders, I mean, I'm playing against him, so I hope he doesn't get back to RB1 standards, but he does have the opportunity to do that. And then moving on to the passing game, I'm saying they're pass catchers. It's really, really hard to trust any receiver on this team. If you're playing in a 10- or 12-team league, you're not starting any Eagles receiver. But if there's one you want to take a, a dart throw on in a deep league or DFS, I would go with Jalen Rager due to his deep threat ability. And then Travis Fulgham had like a couple games where he was incredible, and then he's disappeared. But just due to his size and, again, this bad Seattle defense, he has a chance to score. So, again, I'll look at him in DFS. But I don't think either of these options are worth looking at in redraft leagues. And then the really interesting situation for the pass catchers is the tight end, which usually is the most interesting part of the Eagles offense. Dallas Goddard, uh, as of now, Ertz is eligible to return, but he has not been activated. So we don't know if he's back. So if, if we're with the assumption of Ertz not playing, how do you feel about Goddard? So I just wanted to mention one thing about Fulgham. Mm-hmm. He has had five targets in at least five targets in every single game he's played this season, and he's had at least 88% snap share in four straight games. He has some upside, especially given the matchup. He, he also has – he could probably get you a goose egg. In the deep league, if you need upside, you could throw him in there. And as far as Goddard is concerned, he's probably in – in general, he'd probably be closer to in tight end one and no tight end has scored more than 8.4 fantasy points against them this season not yeah. a single one so um he has had six targets in each of his last two games which is again for the tight end position that's pretty good he's a you're gonna downgrade him if Zachary's returns and now that i'm thinking about it he's probably close to the seven to ten range for me just due to seattle being such a tough matchup especially when jamal adams is is active and I think he's playing. I don't think he's hurt anymore. So I I'm fading Goddard this week. So, so for just out of selfish reasons for myself, I have Dallas Goddard and Hayden Hurst, neither one of them really facing very good matchups. Where would you go in that situation? Goddard or Hurst? Well, Hurst might not even play. And even if he does, I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, you can't trust. Uh, I'm going Goddard. All right, well, good. That makes you feel a little bit better. But one more piece of breaking news, Alicia, before we go out. It is official. The Steelers-Ravens game is officially being moved to Tuesday night. And the Ravens-Cowboy game, which was scheduled for next Thursday, is being pushed off to the following Monday. So we will have a Monday doubleheader in week... Ooh, I like those. Yeah, I like those doubleheaders. I believe that will be week 14. We'll have a Monday doubleheader. Week 13. Yeah, sorry, week 13. They're supposed to play, they're supposed to play this coming Thursday. Yeah, so yeah, my bad. Week, week 13. You're right. Th- week 13, doubleheader. And yeah, we just covered all the games and every fantasy relevant player out there. Everyone who listened, thank you. We appreciate it. And we're going to be doing this every single week. And Alicia, obviously, I appreciate you joining the show and all these amazing notes and all the info you gave. And before we head out, make sure to give the show a follow on Twitter at AMA Fantasy. And you can follow Alicia at Alicia Torsky on Twitter. 
and you can find me on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL. But until next week, everyone, stay safe, and we're out. Thank you.